Welcome to Policy Patrol with the Illinois Chiefs. I'm your Deputy Director, Kenny Winslow, and it's Monday, March 7th. As we often say, ILACP is the voice of professional law enforcement in Illinois. One of our main objectives is to engage lawmakers and ensure they hear law enforcement perspective and concerns on potential legislation. We provide a voice of support or opposition to bills that benefit our profession and our communities, along with those that are detrimental to our mission. Sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't. But more often than not, we are successful in our endeavors. Each year, we track hundreds of bills and work with our legislators, along with our lobbyist, John Milner, to pass, improve, or kill bills. It is nearly impossible to track all bills, so we work closely with the Illinois Association Chiefs of Police Legislative Committee, which is chaired by Chief Mark Maytime, along with the Illinois Sheriff's Association, the Fraternal Order of Police, and the Illinois State Police Governmental Affairs Unit. The committee does a great job reviewing and narrowing down bills to a manageable list. This year, the committee met two different times via Zoom and opened the meeting to the entire membership to determine our positions on bills. During these meetings, we narrowed down the list to 68 bills of concern and support. The Board of Officers then reviews those bills and identifies our top five priority bills. When establishing the list, the Board of Officers, working with our lobbyists, took into consideration the probability of a bill being passed and signed into law. The purpose of this podcast is to give Chiefs a brief synopsis of our top five priority bills, along with some of the ILACP initiative bills, so they can speak with confidence to their legislators, local officials, and officers. Additionally, we want to help you understand why the association chose its stance and what these laws would mean for our citizens and law enforcement in Illinois. If listeners want to take a deeper dive into a bill, we have a priority list and are developing fact sheets that will be available to our members on our website. The first bill we are going to discuss today is House Bill 0451, commonly referred to as the ban on no-knock search warrants. In fact, it does just that. It bans no-knock search warrants while also placing additional restrictions on law enforcement to include a mandate to knock and announce, be recognizable and identifiable as a uniformed officer, and only execute the warrant during daylight hours. Mandating knocking and announcing and limiting the time of day a search warrant may be executed places officers at a tactical disadvantage and increases an offender's opportunity to arm themselves, attack officers, destroy evidence, and or flee. It may also cause a false sense of urgency, leading to poor decisions. No-knock warrants are typically authorized only for the most dangerous situations and typically considered high risk and executed by TAC teams wearing cameras. Additionally, oversight and legal scrutiny has already been provided by the state's attorney and the authorizing judge. One way this bill can be detrimental to law enforcement is that it limits the time of day a warrant can be executed. For example, we don't know when the subject to be searched or the items to be seized will be at the location to be searched. So, for example, if we are looking for a murder suspect and he's not there during the daytime and only there at night, can we serve the warrant? We would have to go back to a judge and get the authority and authorization to serve the warrant at a different time outside of normal daylight hours. This is unduly burdensome and not necessary. The reality is that no-knock search warrants are a necessity to officer and public safety and should be an option when needed. The second bill is one we have all been monitoring closely and thought it wouldn't be released out of House rules this year until the Qualified Immunity Task Force had completed its work. 
1727, commonly referred to as the Bad Apples and Law Enforcement Accountability Act, removes immunity for officers. This bill not only eliminates qualified immunity, but removes all statutory immunity. It allows for attorney fees and punitive damages to be awarded against an officer. We oppose this bill for the obvious reasons I just stated, but also because it does nothing to remove bad apples from our profession and is punitive toward officers and municipalities. It increases the statute of limitations for civil suits from one year to five years. It will encourage frivolous lawsuits costing municipalities substantial dollars to fight. The truth is we put our folks into rapidly evolving and dynamic situations where we ask them to make split-second decisions and need these protections in order for them to do their jobs. This does not protect an officer whose actions are willful and wanton violations of someone's civil rights. It does not apply to any situation where a reasonable person would have known it was a violation. Moving on to House Bill 2729, commonly referred to as the Consent Search Ban. We need to be careful here as the bill is poorly drafted and written and seems to contradict current case law as well as statutory law. The intent, however, is to prohibit an officer from searching a motor vehicle, the passenger, or the driver solely because the driver or passenger consented. This bill would apply to both traffic stops and investigatory stops, such as Terry stops. We oppose this bill for several reasons. As communities across the state are experiencing rising crime rates, this bill serves as a barrier to keeping our citizens safe by removing a valuable tool for combating violent crime. Numerous courts have already decided the legality of consent searches and can suppress any evidence illegally obtained. Courts have determined the requirements needed for consent to be deemed valid. The reality is the vast majority of firearms crimes in our community have a direct nexus to vehicles, such as drive-by shootings, a suspect arrives or flees in a vehicle, etc. In traffic stops, investigatory stops, and the subsequent ability to utilize consent searches is a valuable tool in thwarting and deterring serious crime, along with aiding the recovery of illegal weapons and contraband. Consent searches play a crucial role in officer safety and an officer's ability to de-escalate situations. Oftentimes, it is less confrontational to ask for consent to search and be granted that permission versus conducting a probable cause search, which may be perceived as more intrusive. Banning consent searches will place officers at a tactical disadvantage and result in increased risk to the officers, occupants, and the public by limiting officers' ability to search the occupants and their vehicles, making it easier for criminals to illegally carry and conceal weapons and contraband, while also removing a deterrent factor and the subsequent fear of getting caught with contraband or an illegal weapon. The main argument against consent searches revolves around racial profiling. The state has been proactive in combating this issue with previous legislation to include mandating traffic stop data sheets or reports to be complete on all stops. The state now or will soon require all officers to wear body-worn cameras. The bottom line is this bill should make you mad. It should tick you off. It is predicated on the concept that law enforcement officers treat people unfairly and can't be trusted to follow the rules, while concluding that people are not smart enough to exercise their rights and act in their own best interest. Next up, we have House Bill 3447, known as the Controlled Substance Defelonization Bill. This bill is very large and amends and changes several laws, so I would encourage everyone to go and do a deep dive into all the changes. Some of the highlights are it allows offenders who complete a diversion program to seal or expunge their arrest and charging records. It changes the penalties for manufacture, delivery, or possession with intent to manufacture, delivery, or possession of a controlled substance. Changes the quantity threshold, 
which a possession of controlled substance could be reduced from a felony to a class A misdemeanor. Changes sentencing's options to include county jail time, two-year probation, conditional discharge, and court supervision. It retroactively allows those that have already been convicted to petition the courts for resentence. We oppose this bill for several reasons, but here are just a few. The unfunded mandate and cost of time and resources needed to expunge and seal records. Courts and incarceration are sometimes the only way to get people into treatment. Many offenders are involved in other serious crimes, victimizing our citizens and placing them in danger by their actions and activities. It also changes the felony threshold and does nothing to help battle the illegal drug epidemic, as many offenders who sell and deliver drugs are not users. It does not assist those suffering from addiction into treatment. Let me be clear. We are in support of treatment and diversion programs, just not the defelonization of a controlled substance. We believe in getting people help, and many of our member agencies, along with their local jurisdictions, have developed safe passage programs, drug courts, etc., to help get people the help they need. And the bill does nothing to address the business end of the epidemic that often leads to poisoning of our youth and the violence in our communities. Number five on our priority list is House Bill 4757, the ban of ghost guns. This is probably one of the more controversial bills. It prohibits the transfer, purchase, manufacture, importation, possession of any unfinished frame or receiver or unserialized firearms. It provides a process for serializing unfinished frames and receivers and unserialized firearms through a federally licensed firearms dealer. It makes it unlawful for a person to manufacture or distribute a firearm using a 3D printer. We support this bill. We have all seen the rise in gun violence around the state, and the fact is we are seeing and recovering more of these type of weapons at crime scenes. Criminals like them because they're untraceable. With the advances in technology, people are manufacturing and assembling them in their homes with 3D printers. They undermine our current laws by not having serial numbers, therefore making them unregulated, unserialized, and untraceable. Additionally, you do not have to pass or submit to a background check to purchase a firearms kit. Convicted felons and kids can purchase parts online. This bill provides a process for serializing firearms and major firearms parts, such as receivers and frames, in compliance with federal law, therefore making them traceable. Over the last few years, we have been playing defense with all the anti-police legislation. This year, being an election year, and everyone now being concerned about the increase in crime, we wanted to push some of our own bills and initiatives. As a result, we have introduced several bills. House Bill 5452, Freedom from Drone Surveillance. It allows law enforcement to use drones at special events to include the ability to observe crowd size, density, and movement, access public safety staffing, and to oversee the general safety of the participants. The ability to use drones would help avoid tragedies such as we saw at the Astroworld Festival. HB 5533, in-service training consolidation. We all support additional training for our officers. We want the best trained officers as possible, but each training comes at a cost and there are many unfunded mandates. We would like to see 40 hours of training every three years with ILS be deciding the priorities. SB 3071, prohibits the possession of a vehicle theft related device. I know you're probably asking, what the heck is a vehicle theft related device? In fact, I had to look it up as well. I would refer each of you to YouTube. There's some pretty good videos out there. It is a device that can capture the signal from a key fob to a vehicle to allow you to unlock it and start it without a key. 
SB 3072, governmental immunity involving stolen vehicles. This bill grants immunity for law enforcement if somebody flees in a stolen vehicle and is injured or killed. SB 3820 amends the residential burglary statute now makes entering upon someone's property with the intent to commit a theft of a motor vehicle a felony under residential burglary. SB 3821 enhances penalties for fleeing and looting or aggravated fleeing and looting in a stolen vehicle. We also support HB 4585, which enhances penalties for fleeing and looting, period. As we all know, people aren't stopping these days. We are also working with legislators to introduce Trailer Bill 3 to the Safety Act. We all know there are still numerous issues that need to be addressed. Some of those issues are the taser definition, the ability to use less lethal force, the ability to arrest or detain for BNC misdemeanors, bail reform, the training cap, as well as mental health screens and confidential and anonymous complaints. We are dedicated to working with our legislators and continue these ongoing discussions in effort to improve this bill. Body Camera Act of 2015. We have been working with several legislators to address some of the issues in the original Body Camera Act. A couple of those topics are the notification language. We would like to see it sunset and removed. Additionally, we need to clarify when officers can turn their body cameras on or off, such as at a hospital, in a courtroom, in a jail. Additionally, we want to clarify who has to wear the body cameras. As written now, it states that any officer in uniform have to wear body cameras. We want to clarify that in order to reduce costs for agencies and make it easier to implement this program. We would like to see grant funding for the storage as well as personnel cost. Last but not least, we all know there's a need for additional funding. We need funding for required training, ILSB's new responsibilities, recruitment and retention initiatives, technology such as cell phone forensics, NIBIN, LPRs. We are trying to put together a list. If you have any ideas on what should be included, please reach out to us. The last few years have been tough on our people and our profession, but I do feel that the pendulum is starting to swing back ever so slightly. Legislators seem to be more open to our ideas and suggestions. However, we need to keep the pressure on, and we do that by them hearing from their local chiefs. I cannot stress how important this is. You need to have a personal relationship with your reps and your senators to be able to provide them guidance as to why a bill is good or bad. Additionally, you're probably more recognizable in your community than they are. The bottom line is that you represent votes. Some of these bills should tick you off, and it's important that we defeat or at the very least amend them. In closing, I would refer you to our website where you can view our priority list and other bills we are monitoring. Additionally, there will soon be fact sheets for our top five priorities that can assist you when speaking to your local leaders. Be safe and thank you for tuning in to Policy Patrol. See you next time.